Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's The Big Show. Is everybody ready? Uh Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. It's hump day. Woo-woo! Pump day. Let's get rolling. This is the big show on 975-1280 the zone in the zone sports network. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 975-1280 the zone. Happy Wednesday. Jake Scott coming at you from our Carrier Zone studios here at Vivint Arena. Alex Lumberg filling in for Austin across the glass from me. And safely social distancing from Casa de Monson, the one, the only, Gordon Monson. Gordon, hello. Hello, Jakester. How are you today? I'm good, buddy. I'm, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you very much. Beautiful day out there. Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I took advantage of it. I've been out. I uh, got a chance to sneak out uh, a quick nine with our boys, uh, DJ, PK, and uh, Jakob from the morning. Did you uh, clean up? Uh, no. By if you're, uh, did we gamble? No, we did not. Uh, we did not gamble. No, but I mean, uh, did you take a shower before you went out? Oh no, no, no. Oh, I took a shower before. Yeah, but I came straight here, so I'm. No, you know, I'm, I was joking. Actually, I meant, did you win? Um, I did. We didn't really keep uh, that close a score. Uh, we we only played nine. I was having a pretty good round. I had a birdie and a couple of pars, but uh, the last hole was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say the the last hole ruined all of that. Uh, but it's a, diab- uh, it's a diabolical game. But it was fun. It was, no, it was devised by the devil himself. Oh yeah, it's maddening. I, mean, I love it. I love it. But. It's, I mean, it's straight from hell. I've got a, I've got a really funny story about DJ, but I just don't, I don't think I can tell it on the air. I know that's a, a bit of a tease, something, but, but something really funny happened to DJ, which was, which was fun. Uh, Hatch, I, you know what, I, I never played with Hatch before. He's a good golfer. He can, huh. boy, he can. He can wallop the golf ball. He can hit it in a long way. So oh, good. I'm glad you had fun. Yeah, we had a good day. And oh, man, playing golf in the in Salt Lake in the low 80s. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. That sounds yeah. uh, that sounds terrific. So we anyway, live in a terrific place. Some people don't understand that. Some people are confused as to why Donovan Mitchell wants to re-sign here in Utah as opposed to go to New York City. But we live in a great place. Yeah, I'm not complaining. Not today. Uh, you're not going to hear that out of me. Plus, you know, catching up with uh, with our boys in the morning. We love DJ and PK. Great show. Yeah, and, and good guys. Well, I, I wouldn't go that far, but you know, <laughs> they they have a great show. They have a great show. No, they're good guys. Uh, yeah, and PK's he's a he's a good golfer. He is, and he's a good guy. But don't tell anyone that. No, no. Uh, again. He likes to pretend he's not, but he is. He's really got a heart of gold. Yeah, yeah, he's a good golfer. Well, at least, you know, fool's a goal. No, good golfer. Yeah, we can leave it there. And a good guy. Uh, uh, it was fun, though. So I, I'm in a good mood. I jumped on uh, a podcast, the Utah Jazz podcast this morning, so that was fun. So I've had a good day. 
good. How are you doing? You, you got a lot done. Doing just fine, thanks. Uh, yeah, terrific outside. Got a chance to visit with some of my neighbors a little bit out on the street as I went for my daily stroll that I've been doing lately and uh, visited with them socially distanced. And, uh, yeah, it's good to be out. Oh, yeah. What are, what are they uh, are they complaining about? Nothing. Oh, okay. No. I thought they were, like, waiting for you to emerge and to pounce and be like. No. No, not at all. You got to no. cut down that tree or you got to uh, cut off the music at 2 a.m. or whatever, you know, else neighbors get worked up over. No, nothing. Man, I don't have that problem in this neighborhood at all. Yeah, they're fine, you with, your, they're your fine with your music at 2 a.m.? You, you, do you have uh, issues with your neighbors? Uh, no, no, I don't have uh, any issues. In fact, I, I really like uh, I really like my neighbors. But uh, are you asking me if I've been complained about for loud music uh, <laughs> later than uh, later than it should be? Yeah, I, I've I've had that issue in my life before. In your current uh, location? Um. Yes, but not for music. Was that when you were running a frat house there at your place? Oh, I never was running a frat house in my place, but it's when we were younger and I had roommates and, yeah, we may have been outside chatting later than we should have been. Okay. Well, I'm glad you got that patched up. And, although, and to be fair, all your neighbors not, have moved since then. but uh, Not all. Not, well, not even close to all. But uh, this particular neighbor actually came up. He <laughs> uh, was a really nice guy, and he knocked on our door and just said, hey, can you, you know, take it inside? And we let said, ask, oh, yeah, what time is it? Yeah, we'll, we'll go right in. Let me ask you and ask all our listeners, what is your relationship like with your neighbors? Is it friendly? Do you know them? Are they your friends? Do you treat them neighborly? Or do you ignore them? Like or Gordon. do you irritate them? Like Gordon. No, I, I have no complaints about my neighbors. I just got brand new neighbors on one side. They seem like very nice people. Uh, my neighbor on the other side is just a wonderful woman who's uh, lived there for a long, long time, who I know very well. And, uh, yeah, our, our across-the-street neighbors are great. We I have great neighbors. Yeah. yeah. Consider yourself fortunate because some people out there do have trouble with the people around them. Not me, not you, but, uh, I, as, as I said, we're fortunate, so— Hatfields and McCoys kind of thing, huh? Oh, I've heard of it. I've heard of arguments over dumb little what, things. What uh, what politician was the was it that got beat up by his neighbor? You know, what I'm <laughs> oh, it was uh, it was Rand Paul. That's right. <laughs> Not good. And I, I I don't I don't know if we ever figured out what that fight was about or whatever. But Rand didn't like press charges, so that probably leads you to believe that there was something. <laughs> something but yeah i think his neighbor worked him over pretty good hmm. so if your neighbor came over to your place and said would you mind cutting down that tree what would you say what would you do like cutting it all the way down or you know making some alteration to your property oh i do I, we've i've got uh you know our yards uh speaking of my neighbors are fairly grown in so we share limbs going back and forth and uh i don't know we've i've talked about it with my neighbors before it's like yeah we'll get it done all right, good. Well, does that surprise you? Isn't that what 99.99% of neighbors do? One of my neighbors asked us to cut uh, cut some tree, trim some trees down. Oh, so did you put up a stink? Obstruct their view. Well, we cut some of them down. We couldn't cut all of them down because one of the 
that we have three trees that uh, are aspen trees, and if and they're they're quite advanced in age, and if we cut off the top of those, it it, uh, it that, I don't think we can do that. But but we did cut the other ones. Has this turned into like a dispute? No, no, not at all. No, <laughs> is your neighbor going to go? Harvey Updike, rest his soul, on uh, on your aspen trees. Is that no, is that what it's going to come to? Are, are you so. are you talking about this neighbor animosity? Is this really happening to you? Well, he came and talked to me first, and I said, you know, I just sort of said, oh, okay, let me let me think about that, you know. And then he he asked Lisa, and Lisa was, oh yeah, well we'll do it, whatever you want. Oh, so. I see. So you're doing it then. Well, we did some of them, like I said, the three trees we were but told. But your, your trees are still very much in his way, though. Three of them kind of are, okay. but we, that, the other ones are not. All right, here, here's where I'll defend you a little bit, is those trees are growing up, not out. When I've talked, when I've interacted with my neighbors, it's usually like, like the last time it happened, my neighbor in my backyard was building a shed, and there was a limb from my tree that was right where his shed was going to go. Uh-huh. And so he just came over. He's like, hey, I'm building a shed. You need to take care of that limb. I was like, yeah, no problem. But that was actually technically on his, you know, in his realm, so to speak, right? So if your tree is growing up and they don't have the view they want, well, that sounds like a them problem. Well, I mean, like I said, we, we trimmed some of them. But that that, that group of trees, we, we couldn't. Um I think did you, you tell, should. Did, uh, you tell your, did you tell your neighbor to get the get the shed out of there? What? No, no. It's a nice shed, actually. It really, it really. You say holy shed? No, no, I did not. I said nice shed <laughs> because it really complimented his yard. My neighbor has done a good. It, it, that particular neighbor has done a good job updating his like because a lot of the homes in my neighborhood are older, yards are older, grown over, that sort of thing. In that particular, nobody cares about my neighbors. Why are we talking about this? How did we I get here? Know. I forget. You're asking me about if I get along with my neighbors. Yeah, we. Get well, along I just with thought us. you might be the kind of neighbor that would, you know, create a bit of a stink over there. Oh no, never. And in fact, when we were all bachelors living in that uh, uh, house, we had great relations with our neighbors because we communicate, good. Gordon. Oh, good. That's how all that's right. how good neighboring happens. Uh, all right, we're 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 obviously very busy today. We're going to talk a lot of Game 7, what happened, where uh, where the Jazz go from here. Certainly, uh, I know you've got a column up, Gordon, sltrib.com. We'll, uh, we'll talk about what you included in that. Uh, curious to get your thoughts on, on certainly what we saw last night. Uh, Jan Jorgensen, our good friend, is going to join the show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. I could not be more excited to talk to Jan, one of the great human beings on this planet. Uh, used to be a host right here on this station doing some coaching now. We'll talk to him about what's going on in college football. And then David Locke will join us at 5 uh, to talk further about the Jazz. And it does feel a little weird, Gordon. Usually this would be locker clean-out day. Mm. And uh, we kind of had a locker clean-out post-game. We, we got a few more of the players than we usually do, but uh, it, uh, understandably, of course. Uh, but uh, it, it is weird today because usually we'd be over there at the practice facility and hanging out and talking to Dennis Lindsay and Quinn Snyder and the whole team and just uh, not in the cards this year. 
Why don't we replay a couple of those? It'll probably be interesting for us. Yeah, yeah, we can play some. I I thought uh, in particular Donovan and Rudy uh, were both uh, very – their their post-game press conferences were very good, and and they were both very honest, and they they addressed uh, pretty much everything. Um, And I I agree with you, Gordon. I think that will be worthwhile to to replay. So maybe we do that, play a couple of those coming up at 3, and we can sprinkle some of that throughout the, uh, the show as well just to, I don't know, feel kind of normal, like today's kind of locker room clean-out day? Sure. I'll never forget. I'll tell you this real quick, and then we'll we'll dive into the split story of the day. I'll never forget the Gordon Hayward final locker room clean-out day because <laughs> we were down there. We were set up, and kind of how it works is that uh, the priority, kind of the, the big names go first throughout the whole process, and they have these different stations that they go to and to and, – uh, they talk to uh, Quinn and Dennis, and uh, they talk to the overall media, and they usually get one-on-ones with us, and it's kind of this this rotating thing. And uh, we're sitting down, and I think it was PK Scotty and me, maybe, and overwalks Gordon Hayward and sits down. And this would end up being his final interview in Utah because he had he'd done the overall media session, and we were it. And meanwhile, simultaneously, you'll remember this, Gordon, the renovation started. They were going to try. They fit the renovation into one off season. So, meaning as soon as the season were over, was over, bam, they were renovating this building. I mean, that day, they got into it. We have Gordon Hayward on the air. We're a few questions in. You know, probably three or four minutes in, maybe five, and bam, connection goes down. <laughs> Interview over. Hayward, sayonara. <laughs> and uh, it was it was, something happened with the, like a cable got cut physically at the arena as they were doing whatever it was that they were doing. But it was also like our our first day into that adventure. And it's like first day got cut off at the worst possible time. This renovation's going to go well. This is well, this I'd is say that go. the uh, that the cable with Gordon Hayward uh, got cut. All right. <laughs> What's it with you and these, of these all kinds jokes of things. Well, it's not a joke. It's just yeah. So I I, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, it, it, somewhat appropriate then. Yeah, I see. Anyway, that that that's what uh, my biggest memory from locker room clean out is. It's like, oh well, see ya, Gordon. <laughs> uh, have a have a good one. Uh, okay, let's jump into it, Gordon. Let's get to your thoughts, Gordon Monson. That is, it's time for the split story of the day. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 975-1280 the zone and the zone sports network. All right, Gordon. Well, uh game seven was certainly close and it was thrilling, and the end of the game was amazing. Uh, and we can get into all of that, but the Utah Jazz come up just a little bit short. They lose uh, Game 7 in the bubble to the Denver Nuggets, 80-78, to and uh, their season is over. The Nuggets move on. Uh, they're taking on the Clippers in round number two. And, Gordon, let's start with the game itself because we have plenty of time to get into uh, what's next. I want to get your thoughts on, on how the Jazz played, what happened, and uh, why they came up just short. Well, what a surprise. I mean, that game was different than any other game in that series. The whole thing's transformed right in front of us. And I, the, the whole time I'm watching that game, I'm going, okay, this is wild and wooly, and it's tough, and there's defense being played, and guys are struggling offensively. 
And I, I just kept saying, where was this resistance earlier? I mean, it was totally different than every other game that I could remember in the series. And including Joe Ingles, uh, you know, that little uh, that little play with uh, Jamal Murray. Uh, Joe really could have gotten hurt on that. Do you, do you see the position yeah. of his leg? Yeah. He could, he could have uh, really messed up his knee on that, but – a little bit of a knee to the thigh of Jamal Murray, and he's hobbling around. And neither of the star players had great games in this particular game. But, man, it was tough, and it was furious, and it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch. Uh, I, I absolutely enjoyed it. I'm with you on that. And it was totally different than what I expected. I wonder, and and I don't know how much had to do with the defense. I, I felt like fatigue was a real issue. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, this is a hard, this was a hard-fought series. And, yeah, I, they're not traveling and all that. But, I mean, those two teams look like, you know, boxers in the 10th round, right? I mm-hmm. mean, they, those two teams definitely look tired. I mean, Denver is going to have to try and get its legs back to take on the Clippers. That's going to be a, a, a tough task for them. Um, but it, it did go really differently. And I think both coaches, because both coaches uh, were good in this series, Gordon, at, uh, at adjusting. And I thought the Jazz second half, led by the effort from Rudy Gobert, uh, who was just, he said, all right, we're all out of gas, but I'm going to try and take it to the next level. And and, uh, they erased that 14-point deficit, Gordon, and put themselves back in the game. And then it came down to who was going to make plays, and the Jazz came up one, you know, one play short. Uh, Well, as good as Rudy was in, uh, in, in sort of scrounging up that effort, Jokic absolutely was key for the Nuggets in that game and of course hit the game winning shot so uh yeah there's a freaking a frag to everything yeah there but it is. was it was it was hard fought it was that was playoff basketball and t- don't tell me those guys didn't care about the outcome they were that they were warriors out there they really were and I got to give them credit for that however I think there are some things to discuss, and we'll talk about it moving forward with the team because they did have a 3-1 lead, and they got beat three straight games. And uh, I don't think that Dennis Lindsay is sitting back going, you know, I'm really satisfied with what I got here. Yeah, I think he understands that in order for the Jazz to accomplish their goals, they have to get better. You can't blow a 3-1 lead in the playoffs and be satisfied with it. Just can't do it. Well, listening to everybody in the post game uh, after the game, I don't uh, satisfaction was not something I don't mm-hmm. think anybody was feeling. So that 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 certainly was well, a, a theme. When Donovan Mitchell crumbled to the court like that, that was honest, man. That was him. He just gave everything he had, and just in the moment it's over, just collapsed. I thought, I thought, you know, there are, you've seen players through the years, Jake, who have a tendency to be a little melodramatic. That was not what that was. That was a guy who gave everything he could give mentally and physically to the outcome of a game, the outcome of a series. And when it, I mean, when that uh, when that Conley shot missed, I think he just just everything came out, and he just collapsed. And I thought it was a cool moment when Jamal Murray came over and gave him a hug. Those two, what a series! I mean, between those two, what a showing, spectacular. Yeah, I, I really agree. And um, you know, Donovan, his game last night, he had some he had some really good moments, but he was not 
He did not play his. He played his worst game of the series by by a long way. Well, the turnovers were costly. Especially nine the last one. turnovers scored. Nine of them. That that is rough. I had a, a coach text me during the game who said, "If my if my best player had nine turnovers, I would I'd lose by twenty every time." I mean, it's. But that's because he was trying. He was trying to do everything he could, and I hate turnovers. You know how I feel about turnovers. It just drives me crazy. But last night as I was watching Donovan, I thought he he may at times have been trying to do things that he shouldn't have. And, uh, you know, Gary Harris surprised him on that last uh, that last move. And that cost the Jazz. However, it did create another opportunity for them with the Mike Conley shot, which was a very good, clean look, I thought, and uh, very well could have made that shot, but did not. I guess I I bring up the the turnovers uh, and I bring up that he didn't have a great game because he didn't and he's the number one player with great power comes great responsibility I believe Spider Man's uncle once said uh, and he went sat down in the post game and it, it was unbelievably accountable you know he he wasn't pretending that uh, that he didn't turn the ball over there in in the final seconds he wasn't pretending that he didn't have nine turnovers he was. He was there, and he was upset that that he didn't play better, so his team could advance. I mean, truly, that he, accountability. I, I find it amazing when somebody steps up during uh, times of disappointment and says, "I'm I'm accountable. I'm accountable for how this is ending, and I'm going to use it to motivate me in the future." And but, that, to to wrap up his post game pres, you know, comments. That's, I mean, that's exactly yeah. what he was getting at. Well, maybe one or two less turnovers and the Jazz win that game. Or one but or two more made shots. Or I, I give him a little bit of a pass because where else where else was the help coming from? You know, where, where, he, he felt a sense of desperation. And I think he looked around and said, okay, who's going to help? Who's with me on this? And where was that? Rudy Gobert late. But who else? Where, where else? Where else was he going to turn? I get it, and it's a, and it's a team game, and I'm I'm really not trying to be overly critical of Donovan Mitchell. Just had one mm-hmm. of the best series in, in Jazz history. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you know Denver's two stars, uh, Jokic had thirty, Jamal Murray had seventeen. They got zero help from anybody else on their team. Yeah. So I mean, you you can look at it and say, oh, well, I give Donovan a pass. Where was everybody else? But you know, in this circumstance, it it came down to our best two guys against your best two guys. Those you know, game seven, it's it's tough. It's pressure packed, and that's where money is made by best players. And yeah, they didn't get much help. Jordan Clarkson had ten points. He didn't score in the second half. Mike Conley was not good shooting the basketball. Only eight points. Uh, oh, uh, Joe two of thirteen or something like that. Yeah, I mean, Joe just... was was absent again. So uh, I agree with you, Gordon. That yeah, it's a team sport, and they needed help. And that was one of my big talking points yesterday. But it's not like the other two guys got much help either. Mm-hmm. So and they were able to make the plays uh, at the right well, Jokic, time to Jokic to win, especially. Yeah, right. I mean, he uh, you can give Rudy a bunch of credit, but his guy killed the Jazz. Well, and Jokic had the tougher matchup. To your point, Gordon. You know, Jokic had the the tougher job, and he came through, and he played really well. And that hook shot, and and if we want to talk about giving passes, because I'll give Rudy a total pass on that hook shot at the end of the game. Nobody nobody makes that. Nobody even takes that. 
and uh, let alone just stone cold throws it in there like a Mike Brown free throw right at the rim. I mean, it it was it was amazing that that shot went in. And yeah, you got to give him a, a ton of credit because that is a, a high degree of difficulty right there going over Rudy Gobert, and he nailed it. But he had, I mean, he had a tough task to do, and he came through. And so, you know, Donovan had a tough task too, and he came through at times. But well, ultimately, he, he every didn't. time except for last night. Uh, last night, right. he was. But but he, he was the burden on him. I think exceeded the burden on anybody else because Jamal Murray. Okay, so he didn't have. He had his worst game, and he he was hobbled a bit. But he had Jokic. Who who does Donovan have? Well, maybe that's a question that the front office uh, needs to to think about, Gordon. Because well, it was the question we asked last year, be, and, and, and Bogdanovich obviously not available. But in this specific instance, I'm looking at Donovan, and he's going, "Okay, who? Where can I go? Where can I go to get a lift, a consistent lift?" But the reason I couldn't. Th- so, what does that do? You talk about accountability. He throws that burden on himself, and he's going to. He's going to spin around and be a whirling dervish out there and try to create things that maybe weren't to be created and turn the ball over. I don't think he has those turnovers if he has more help. So I guess the reason I said about the front office was because they're going to have to pay Rudy Gobert like that's him. So the answer to your question is it has to be Rudy Gobert. Yeah. And, and, Rudy, and Rudy was good last night. He was he 8 was of 13. Good. He had 19 points. That yeah. alley-oop from Mike Conley was really, really good. What do you have, 18 boards? 18 boards, two block yeah. shots. I thought he was an absolute force in the second half. So it, the, the answer is it needs to be Rudy in that circumstance. And he was good. But they just weren't quite good enough. Yeah. And it, it, the, the Jazz have this goal to, be, to win an, an NBA championship. And so – we're, we're looking – the standard is high, and so there might be a little more criticism. There was a time when that kind of showing would have been, all right, that's promising. I mean, they, they tried real hard, you know, was, but not according to the uh, what, what the goals that this team has set for itself. They've got to do better than getting eliminated in the first round, especially when you have a 3-1 lead, and that's to their credit that they feel that way. Anybody out there who's satisfied with what they saw in that series, as fun as it was to watch, uh, probably shouldn't be working for the Jazz. All right, we'll have more uh, coming up next, including some big news today on the Donovan Mitchell front. We'll get to that straight ahead. It is The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Band of the day today, Avril Levine. Selected by Alex. Did you pick this one? I sure did. All right. My boy, Lundy. You may know him as Fake Kyle. Uh, <laughs> Do you have a problem with his selection? No, uh, Avril Levine's good. She's not bad. I read some weird internet rumor that she was dead the other day. Yeah, there's a whole conspiracy theory on that. Yeah, that she's been gone what? for a while, and they've. Well, I think they have. There's a body place. double named Melissa that's standing in. The the body double has a name. Oh yeah, they the, know this, it's Melissa. This goes deep. This goes real deep. <laughs> All right, explain. They uh they just believe that she's been dead for, like, over ten years, and that. 
there's a fake Avril Lavigne that has been kind of standing in since the early days that they just kind of replaced her with. Does and she that may- would be because they wanted to continue on with her making money off of the deal? Yeah, she's still, I mean, you know, before everything shut down, she was still touring and, uh, you know, she had an album that came out just a couple of years ago. Like, she's still doing stuff. Surely she's doing, like, interviews and things, yeah. right? And, yep. and surely somebody would be like, you aren't There's, Avril Lavigne. Well, that, that's Or is this thing, like, like uh, did you ever see that, uh, that wonderful movie in the 90s, Dave, where, uh, you know, Kevin Klein as Dave replaces Kevin Klein as the president? Like it's that I don't close. think I've seen that one. No, but wow. this one, yeah. There's so she looks just like her, and she sounds just like her. But that's not her. That's what the conspiracy theorists say. Like, there's a couple like minor things where they're like, listen, you know, when she's singing on these earlier albums and stuff, her vocal register is a lot lower, and now it's a lot higher, and like there's a style change, and there's a like almost a genre change. Just you know, they they've kind of pinpointed it, and they they're convinced that's when wow Melissa took over. All right. Man, I haven't heard about anything like that since uh, the Paul McCartney uh, rumor way back in the in the 60s. Paul is dead. Remember that? I wasn't alive in the 60s, Gordon. Well, I thought you might have read up on that stuff. I, I have read up on some of that stuff. but Remember uh, you play the one song backward and it supposedly says Paul is dead? And then the cover of Abbey Road when you have... John's the preacher, and you have, or whatever. Uh, I think George was the grave digger, right? And Paul was the the dead guy. I don't know. I haven't read much about the Herman's Hermits. <laughs> Come on, that was funny. Uh, Not really, because I remember Herman's Hermits too. <laughs> yeah, something tells me I'm into something good. We should have the Herman's Hermits as our band of the day more. I did that once. One one week, one time, uh, many, we should, many years ago. But. We should do that again. Uh, Band of the Day brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. For the latest tour news and artist insight, go to livenation.com. Gordon, we have uh, some you know breaking jazz news, at least this morning, as Crispy Haynes of Yahoo Sports uh, reported that, uh, and I'll just read it here, Mitchell and, Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz will finalize a max extension when free agency opens in mid-October, league sources told Yahoo Sports. And we talked about the game in the last segment, and you can still you know, feel free to, uh, to weigh in on what we saw last night at Jake Scott's own, at Gordon Monson, and we'll talk about it throughout the day. But it also is what's next as the Jazz now enter into an abbreviated free agent, uh, or not free agent, excuse me, offseason that will include the free agency period and the draft in kind of a bizarre time. And uh, Donovan Mitchell, of course, uh, is eligible for that extension. And it sounds like the Jazz, and this was predictable, are more than willing to give him whatever he wants. And that's what I would do, too. I mean, who can even argue that? There is no argument there. I know, like I mentioned earlier, that Knicks fans were hoping he would finagle his way out and sign with them and all that. But why would Donovan want to go play for the Knicks other than being from that general area? I mean... The Jazz are a much better run organization than the Knicks are. And the result, they're better on the court. Donovan has, they have, they are fashioning everything for Donovan here. I don't know why anybody would have delusions that he would want to go somewhere else at this point. I mean, 
And he doesn't. Well, I I have a tough time even entertaining the Knicks stuff. I know that's out there. I saw our boy uh, JT, Jonathan Tavernari, uh, trolling people on Twitter with that yesterday. Uh, but listen, I- unless Donovan is getting the worst advice in the history of, uh, of uh, uh, um, uh, athletic agents, he's not going to just submarine a whole year making pen- <laughs> pennies on the dollar so he can finagle his way to New York. That's that's ridiculous. So that that always bugged me because Donovan, it the the question here is is how many years is he going to sign? That's the biggest question. Not if he's going to the Knicks. Is he going to sign three, four, or five years? That's the that's the biggest question because you you know. Is he going to sh- sign a short deal to get himself to free agency as, pass- as fast as possible? Or is he going to take the guaranteed money with bigger raises? Because we've seen it go both ways. We've seen Darren Williams, for example, went with uh, – didn't he go with the the medium one, Gordon, or the middle one? I think he Don't went with that four. Four years. That, that, that four seems with like an that's... option for five, I think is what Darren Williams did. That's the most prevalent, I think. Um, LeBron did three, hmm. if you remember way back then, because he wanted to get to free agency as pa- fast as possible. Kevin Durant went the full five. He took his, as uh, long as he possibly could. So we've, we've seen a number of different examples. But that that is the biggest story. And since it's an extension, he still has one year left on his current deal, meaning Donovan Mitchell really can't go anywhere for four years. Hmm. Yeah. And it's this isn't like Gordon Hayward where you're kind of going, I think he's a max player. I I think he's getting better. This is, I mean, we just saw what he did in the playoffs. I mean, he's, he beat Oklahoma City two years ago as a rookie. I'm I'm with you, Gordon. I'm the this is this is a no brainer. The question is, what does Donovan want? That yeah. I think that's the biggest part of this story is what what does he want? I mean, if he he took the full boat and signed the five year extension to stay here, I mean that would. That would say a lot. I, I, I don't think that's likely necessarily, but, um, you know, that's that's the biggest story in my mind. He well, Let's take this one, one bit at a time. As far as the quality of play, what I saw in this series was beyond anything I'd seen from him before. And his remarks after the game last night, maybe we should play those, but his remarks after the game were so impressive to me. When he said, when he was asked about what went wrong, he said, we'll fix it. When he was asked about other things, he said, we're just scratching this. I'm paraphrasing here, and we can play it from him. Or, you know, we're just scratching the surface. You know, it's this is just the beginning. And, man, the kinds of words, that's the kind of awareness that is um, – Pretty refreshing to hear someone talk like that. Yeah, I agree. And we'll get to those comments coming up at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. We'll play a few. Uh, We'll get to at least Donovan and Rudy, and we'll see if we can't get Coach Snyder in as well, although we can uh, fit that sound in a little bit later on in the show too. So we'll make sure you hear uh, that sound on the show today because I'm with you. I thought thought Donovan's postgame comments were very impressive. I thought Rudy's were too. Um, uh, They just need a little more help. And Bogdanovich will help, but they need more than that. Well, they need more than what they already got. They and I don't know. It's not my job to do it, 
Well, uh, let's uh, hold on. Hold the phone, because since when did we uh, not tell people how to do their jobs? Let's let's get into <laughs> what what maybe some ideas are, not to specifics do this or else. But let's mm-hmm. let's talk about some things that maybe need to happen in the off season. We can get to that coming up next, uh, and then we'll play that post game sound for you at uh, three. Jan Jorgensen at four. David Locke at five. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Is this uh, Avril or, or Melissa? <laughs> this is this is Avril. It's all Avril. The, the Melissa people are a little, little crazy, but, you know. When when was the the year that supposedly M- Melissa took the wheel? Uh, kind of when she, like, released Girlfriend, that transition, you know, because earlier it was a lot more punk, kind of, you know, okay. kind of the punk style a little bit. And it got a lot poppier. So Melissa was not in love with a skater boy. No, no, Avril was. So she she finally decided she wanted to make more money, huh? What the the punk scene doesn't make the money? Is that what you're saying? Well, it might be a broader audience for this. Do you like this song? Eh. She was pretty poppy though all the way along. To be fair, oh, she's let's always not, been pop. Uh, let's not per- let's not pretend like she was the <laughs> Sex Pistols or anything. No, it was never full on <laughs> punk rock. No. It was like pop punk at best. Right, at, at best. best. Uh, all right, Gordon. Let's uh, let's talk about what the Jazz uh, have to do in the off season, or and let's let's preface the conversation with kind of in a more ideal world because we really have no idea what the salary cap is going to do after all this thing plays out. And the Jazz have $117 million on the books for next year, so their flexibility actually might not be great. Mm-hmm. But let's let's talk about what this team needs to do if they could do it. Well, <laughs> coming fresh off this series, you would expect maybe a little more perimeter defense. Oh, I'm so glad you started there. Because I, I think that's exactly what they actually could do, even if they're limited financially, is go find some more rangy defenders. The hard part is, Gordon, is that those players don't grow on trees, one. And two, they have to be good enough at offense that they can stay on the floor. Right. And that, that can be for, where it gets a little tricky. If you have Bogdanovich out there and you have Donovan Mitchell out there and you have uh, you know a Mike Conley if he's playing well, then how much more offense do you need if you if you've got guys like that? You don't. Uh, that I I think you make a terrific point. I don't think off, offense is the Jazz problem anymore. I really don't. I think I think size and defense are the two biggest problems. Yeah, I, that was my next. Uh, the, you know, they're they're small. Yeah, they're small, and that wouldn't have changed with Bogdanovich on the floor because he's you know I don't know what his at rebounding average was this year. Do he doesn't know? play big though. He yeah. he doesn't. Yeah, he's what probably six eight six nine, but he doesn't play big. Um, and he's not particularly rangy either. He he can switch kind of, but he's not. You know. He's he's not the perfect defender. He's actually better at defense than I thought he was going to be, but it's still not. He's not a better defender than Royce. You know, you're not putting Bogdanovich on on Jamal Murray in this particular series, right? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I think they need somebody that can switch a bunch of positions. You know, players I, like that. You know what they need? They need a better version of Royce O'Neal. Well, maybe Royce can get a little better. 
Um, I, I'm sure the Jazz hope so. They signed him to to an extension. But, I mean, but what do you mean by Royce, Royce? Royce is a player that's worth having on your roster. That's for sure. I'm not arguing that. But if they could find somebody who just could give them a lift at that position, uh, and they could play him as needed uh, in in situations like what we saw in this particular series, that would give the Jazz a pretty big lift. I'm not ripping Royce. I'm just saying that would help the Jazz reach the level that they want to reach by having a little more talent at that position. And here's where I'll agree with you. Maybe if Royce is your second best on-ball defender and not your best on-ball defender, that might not be the worst thing in the world. Um, I don't think you want to fully replace Royce because I do think he does some nice things for you. But I, I, I agree with you on that is the the type of player that they need. And and maybe Royce needs to be a little bit better offensively. Uh, I mean, you can, you can make that argument. He, he shot a great percentage from three. Where Royce really impressed me was his rebounding ability because, I mean, we could get to that on the list of things they need. If uh, if you want, and well, that's, I thought, second, that's second on my list uh, is uh, the rebound. I thought he stepped up and was was played bigger than he is and rebounded bigger than he is, and I think those those things are important. But but if if your if Joe Ingles is your second best on on ball defender and Royce is your first, then mm-hmm. then yeah, I think you need another body that can help with that workload. Yeah, and I was impressed by the effort on Jamal Murray last night. They were throwing different guys. I, mean, I even thought Mike Conley at times did a pretty good job. They were determined to stay in front of him. And maybe Jamal was a little bit hobbled. I don't I don't know. But uh, th- those are the two areas that I see. Because if Bogdanovich is healthy and can stay healthy, he's going to give you all kinds of offense. So I think the Jazz are in pretty good shape, like you said. I agree with you. But at the defensive end, they were too vulnerable at times. Certainly evidenced here in this particular playoff and Denver isn't even that big of a team either and I thought that that made a big difference in that series I mean if if the Jazz would have won last night and gone up against uh, the 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 Clippers Clippers, size would have been a real issue yes and Uh uh, they would have had to to cope with that so I mean that's that's certainly I think number one uh, so you think there's a Dennis Rodman in this draft somewhere I don't know, man. Lou Dort didn't get drafted, and he's starting for Oklahoma City and taking guys out of games. I mean, he's how tall, just, how tall is he? He's not that tall. Probably, I want to say like six four. But if you give me a second, I can tell you exactly. Mm. I, it's just that's what they need, and we saw that it wasn't just this playoff series where that was evident. That was we saw that earlier in the season before the stoppage, and the Jazz need to address that. Lou, uh, Lou Dort, by the way, 6'3". 6'3 and a sturdy 220. I was more thinking about the defender as opposed to the rebounder, and you asked me about Rodman. I, I apologize. But but Ed Davis was supposed to be that uh, that rebounder that made up for Derek Favors' production, mm-hmm. and that just didn't work out. Yeah, so got to find yeah. something that works out a little bit better. And I really can't criticize the Jazz for that decision-making. I thought that was a – when I heard about that, I thought that was a pretty good deal for the Jazz. Just didn't work out that way. Well, I I don't think I've ever seen a, a better like like he's a great rebounder, but he doesn't play tough. Usually, we associate rebounding with toughness, right? And uh, you know, I'm sure Ed Davis is is a lot tougher than me. Don't get me wrong, but he <laughs> wasn't a particularly like physical presence for such a good rebounder as he is. And he, he just wasn't a great pick and roll player, so he didn't fit, he didn't really fit 
uh, the jazz, I guess, uh, philosophy, what they want to do. And that's unfortunate because they, they really could have used that rebounding. And, and give Tony Bradley credit for, for stepping up and filling a role. But they need somebody on the boards. So I'm with you. Yeah. And Tony, I, I, I don't know. I'm undecided on him. I don't know how you feel about Tony Bradley. Um, I, I, <laughs> I'll reserve judgment there because he's got some growth yet to do. But, you know. I know the Jazz can't go out and get every every <laughs> every corner covered in one off season, but they certainly have shown a propensity for offense now that they lacked a year ago. But now and, they need to stop somebody. But here's the thing, and I'm just throwing this against the wall. This may not happen, but watch for it if it does. If if the cap goes significantly down. Watch for above-average players to take veteran minimum contracts. So the Jazz actually could get a lot of value out of veteran minimum contracts because there just aren't going to be any spaces if that happens. There's just so going to be no money to spend. Actually, do you think the Jazz then will actually benefit from a lower salary cap? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you'd rather have the money to spend. But in a weird way, it'll it'll be interesting to see what it does. Like, uh, uh, remember when the cap jumped fifteen percent one year and then ten percent the next because of the new TV deal yeah. and just players that were average were getting ludicrous amounts of money, including as it turns out Gordon Hayward. But that's neither here nor there. Guys like Nick Batum were signing these twenty-five <laughs> million dollar a year contracts, just <laughs> ludicrous, ludicrous numbers. This is going to be like the exact opposite of that, where Nick Batum is going to be begging for a job. And so maybe you can pick up some value, but it'll only be for a year or two, right? Because you don't want to lock yourself in in a long-term contract at the vet minimum. So, and eventually you'd think the financials would turn around. But in the short term, it'll be fascinating to see what kind of deals free agents take this year. It's just an awful year to be a free agent. Yeah, if you're if you're a player in the NBA and you're you're counting on a certain opportunity financially, not that anybody's really hurting, but as you mentioned, uh, compared to what it was. Timing, timing is just, you know, it, <laughs> there are players out there right now going, of all the dumb luck. Right. I mean, who could have predicted a pandemic? How about the free agents that, that hit the third year after the TV deal where yeah. everything leveled out? Yeah. <laughs> and you're looking yeah. over at Nick Batum like, oh, dude. <laughs> you got my money. <laughs> you got all of my money, you jerk. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. Uh, coming up next, we'll let you hear Donovan Mitchell's post-game comments. We'll let you hear Rudy Gobert's as well. Want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. Uh, they have uh, been proven in lab tests to remove more dirt and soils than any other method. The powered water cleaning means no soap, no shampoos, and no toxic chemicals. Schedule your Zero Res Carpet Cleaning today. More next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.